This morning, you guys, would you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? We'll continue our series on making room, a Advent Christmas series, as we talk about the Advent of peace. If you don't have your Bibles, no worry, chicken curry, because in your bulletins, uh, we have the sermon notes and uh, the scriptures there as well, as well as um, sermon notes for you to engage in, all right? Not only the scripture, but... uh, we're going to be continuing uh, Advent. This is the third year that we've done it just because Advent is really important to the life of the church. Specifically, most of the rhythms of the church and most of the practices of the church, um, of the church calendar, it follows events in the historical life of Jesus. In other words, most of the things that the church follows, it goes back to the historicity of the person and the work of Jesus. But Advent is special because Advent, not only does it look back, but it also looks forward. It's a two-sided coin. The first coming, the first Adventist of, of Christ, but there's a second Adventist, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but Advent really, more than anything, it reflects, if you are a Christ follower here, it means that the advent, the, here, the kingdom of God here now, but not fully yet, the now and not yet, that when Jesus resurrected from the grave, he established the kingdom of God, and when he returns, there will be the full consummation of the kingdom of God. In the same way, we look And we long for Christ to return because we go through suffering, we go through sickness, we go through hurting, we go through loss, we go through unrest, and there is, the Advent season then parallels the life of the Christ follower. Now, we're gonna talk about the Advent of peace, and peace is just not, you know, the absence of war or the absence of conflict. I don't know if I could pull this Filipino joke here. We're not, we, you know, we're on the east side. If it wasn't Kalihi, we probably can. But, um, you know, there's uh, Tagalog, uh, peace, you know. The word for cockroach is ipis. So what is this? Ipis, right? What is this? Peace on earth, right? And what's this? <laughs> Beautiful peace. <laughs> what is this? About peace. Okay, anyways. <laughs> now... Uh, peace goes back to the Old Testament concept of shalom, meaning the overall well-being of a person. It includes your health, it includes prosperity, it includes your well-being, it includes your posterity, it includes a lot of different things. I think John chapter 10 verse 10 captures that for us where it says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I have come to give life and life to the full. In other words, there is a full life in Christ Jesus where the shalom, the peace, the reign, the rule of God comes upon an individual and changes that individual holistically, mind, body, soul, and spirit, just like the great commandment. And we're gonna look to Luke chapter two, verses 11 through 14 to do that, all right? So if we could all stand together, just in reverence to God's word, Luke chapter two, And this is the proclamation uh, to Mary about the coming Savior, the birth of 
Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord, let's pray. Father, we invite you, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, into this place. Lord, may our hearts be your home. And so, Father, uh, this morning we, we come with unsettledness. <coughs> we come with anxious thoughts. We come with worried hearts, and we need the peace of God to be upon us. And so, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do? Only you can transform a human heart. Would you transform our heart of stones into a heart of flesh so that we would welcome and receive your word as truth, as divine, as God-breathed word of the Lord? I pray, God, that... We would experience your peace like never known before this Christmas 2019. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we talk about peace. It's just not the absence of conflict. It's not just financial peace. That's kind of big right now, right? There's a financial peace university. There's, um, we're not just talking about mental wellness or mental peace where our minds could just be overwhelmed and overcome with anxiety that we need mental peace. Uh, peace can also refer to peace in our relationships, where there's uh, irreconcilable differences, or if there's uh, fractured relationships, that we need the peace of God. And, uh, you know, peace, the peace of God is something that we need in our lives every single day. You know, I have three boys, I have a four-year-old, I have an 11-year-old, and I have a 13-year-old. And even today, just waking them up, because we have to be here at six o'clock, I'm like, hey, good morning, guys. Judah, Noah, good morning. I love my boys. Can you guys wake up? And they're like, oh, one more minute, one more minute. And I was like, okay. And you know, uh, Auntie Cynthia lives with us, and uh, she, she has a room, and so we're trying to be quiet, let her sleep. And then sure enough, as soon as the kids are up, they're just like, whoa. I'm like, oh my gosh. And my house just turned from these, this peaceful home and it just went B-A-N-A-S-A-S. It just went bananas. It was like completely their energy. And oftentimes, you know, I go to work and I get a phone call. I have to go to a hospital. I have to do a counseling session and I have to listen. I have to engage. And, uh, you know, there's so much chaos in other people's lives and I carry that with me and I bear it with them in love. And I come home and, man, not only is there, like, chaos with my kids, but it's like, man, they leave, they leave their bikes all over. Like, I, before I 
pull into my driveway, I need the peace of God because I'm just like, I'm about to blow up, right? And <laughs> peace is something that we all need every single day. Not just financial, not just mental, not just relational, but the peace that we're talking about here, as I said earlier, is the shalom of God, that it covers prosperity, health, security, friendships, and especially salvation, that it is the desired experience of individuals, family, families, and nations alike. Now, I think a great paradigm of what the shalom of God looks like is found in the gospel of Mark chapter 5 verses 24 to 34. There was this woman, she had an issue of bleeding and because she has an issue of bleeding, she was an outcast in society. Not just socially, but because the everything, the life of the of uh, Israel back then revolved around temple and worship, offering sacrifices. She was considered unclean and she was a social pariah. She was a social outcast. So she was cast out religiously, she was cast out um, socially, but also physically, she was suffering from sickness. And here she goes and she's like, man, she had this faith and she said, if I could only touch the hem of Jesus, the, the hem of his garments, then I'll be healed. And she had that faith, she, she touched Jesus, Jesus' uh, clothing, and then she was healed immediately. Jesus felt the power lead from him. And then Jesus says, who touched me? It was, it was me. It's like, okay, your faith has made you well. And here's the shalom of God, that she's now in right relationship with God, She's physically healed. She's socially and religiously included into the community, not only of community and faith, but also the, the community that she lived in. And I think to really illustrate it, Jesus says something to her. He says, go in peace. Meaning, the shalom, the reign, the well-being of God is now upon you and upon your family, and your life is gonna change forever. In fact, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus was resurrected in John chapter 20, verses 19, 21, and 26, when Jesus resurrected and he established the kingdom of God, when he greeted his disciples, he greeted them, shalom, shalom, my peace, peace to you, peace to you, peace to you, meaning that the resurrection of Jesus brought on the shalom or the reign or the well-being of God, and it covers not only individuals, not only families, not only your health, not only your finances, not only your relationships, this is the goodness of God, can I get an amen? But nations as well. If you look through Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, you see that the promise, Zechariah, that there's a promised savior would come and the nations would be glad, meaning the Lord's prayer is the kingdom come, your, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And I think this was really evident a couple of months ago uh, with the unrest that's happening in Hong Kong and them wanting democracy. So this might, not, this might have been considered fake news, but there was about 800,000 people that made a protest against Hong Kong, against communism, and they want democracy. But the amazing thing is, 
Christians, Christ followers, because they are in right relationship with God, they have peace with God, they want to be peace with one another, and they're bringing the peace of God, the shalom of God to Hong Kong, and instead of revolting, instead of trying to throw a revolution, instead of trying to throw riots, and trying to overthrow the government and mutiny, they sang worship songs. Here, there's a brief video clip of it. It's about 50 seconds, just under a minute, but it goes to show, man, the reign of God is not just over me, but it's over communities, it's over families, it's over nations, and it's all over the world. Let your kingdom come. Let's prepare our hearts and take a look. Isn't that amazing? And that would, I hope you would get a glimpse of what heaven is like and you, you would, it would restore your hope or your faith in the kingdom of God and in humanity. And so I have one main point for you today with two action points. Number one, would you write down in, the, in regards to the advent of peace, it is this, the peace of God can only be experienced by being at peace with God. Let me repeat that. The peace of God, the shalom of God, can only be experienced and can only be lived out by being at peace with God. I think another way to say it is this. You cannot experience or you cannot have the peace of God without having the God of peace. Because... About last year, my son, for his 12th birthday, he, um, he started taking, he, we went scuba diving, not me, I'm not a waterman, but uh, my wife is, and so we got him scuba classes. And he had to take certification to be scuba certified. And he learned online classes, he took tutorials, he went on the computer, he spent hours and hours, it almost took him 11 months to finish it, but Right when he was finished with the certification, if you want to learn how to scuba, you got to go in the water. <laughs> if you want to be certified in scuba, you need to go to the water. If you want to learn how to surf, you got to jump in the ocean. If you want to learn to swim, you got to jump in the water. See, the thing is, people want the benefits of God. They want the peace of God. They want tranquility in their relationships. They want the blessing of God in their homes and their finances, but they don't want God himself. And these are two mutually exclusive things. You cannot separate the peace of God without the God of peace because peace comes from God because he is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Hebrews 11 says, 
that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. The angels' proclamation is this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to whom his favor dwells. What does that mean? That God's peace is available to everybody, but but it can only be experienced who have his favor or who who he's pleased with. And how do we approach God in such a way that we're pleasing to him? Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you go to God in faith and you seek after him, you must believe that, first of all, that he exists, that God is, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him, that God is a rewarder. Matthew chapter five, the beatitude says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be what? Satisfied or they shall be filled. If you want the peace of God, you must come to God as he is. That you cannot separate the peace of God and the God of peace. They go hand in hand. There's a common fallacy that's going on in our culture that says this, we are all God's children. We have to love one another, which I agree with, but what I don't agree with is that we are all God's children. Is that true? I kind of spoiled it for you, I said it's a fallacy, it's, uh, right, it's a myth. So, John chapter one, verse 21 and 22 says this, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him, but to those who receive him, who believed in his name, to them he gave them the right to become children of God. We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. The Bible makes it explicitly clear that to those who receive him and believe in his name, Hebrews eleven six, to them he gave them the right to become children of God. Look at Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That the only way that you and I could be at peace with God is we do it through faith. It's not by church attendance, it's not by giving, it's not by my good works, it's not by my charity, it's not by my intentions, it's not because I have a good heart, but I believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ that over 2,000 years ago, God came down on this earth. He took on skin, he took on bones, he identified with my, my weakness, my sickness, he felt betrayal, he felt loneliness. He went through the whole gamut of human experience so that when we pray to him, Hebrews says that we, could, we have a high priest that identifies with us. He lived a perfect life that you and, I could never live, you and I could never live so that he could be a perfectly acceptable sacrifice for my sin and your sin. He took my place on the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. And that's, if God were to ask me, John, God forbid I were to die. I said, John, why should I let you into my kingdom? Why should I let you into heaven? My answer is, Lord, it's because I believe in Jesus. I believe in what your son has done for me. It's not church attendance. It's not giving. 
It's not your intentions, it's not your kind heart, it is your faith in Jesus. That's why since you've been justified, the word justify there means that you've been made right. It is a legal term. There's this forensic righteousness that's been transferred or imputed to your account. Meaning, and here's the game changer, are you guys ready? Why is it so important for God to declare you righteous? Why is it so important for you? It's like, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. God says, okay, you went from a sinner, now you're a saint. You're, you're one of my creation, but now you're my child. How does that happen? By God's word, because that is God's MO. That's his modus operandi. That's how God rolls, right? Since the beginning, Genesis chapter one, verse one. God, in the beginning, God created, no, before that, in the beginning, the earth was what? formless and void, there was chaos, there was disorder, and it was dark, and God said what? Let there be light, boom, there was light. Jesus, when there was a storm, and he was about to overwhelm them, and, there was both, and they were about to drown in the storm, what did Jesus say? Storm what? Be still, or peace, and what happened? Peace. So if you were to come before God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I, you alone are God, you alone have made a way for me to have a relationship with you through your son. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I repent for my sins, I turn to you, then boom, God justifies you. God declares you righteous, and now you and I have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now we went through biblically, biblical theology of what it means for the peace of God. And we're gonna close with this, two points. How do we get the peace of God this Christmas Eve or this Christmas season? Number one, would you write down, give glory to God in worship. I'll just say it right now, the two ways for you to have the peace of God is worship and faith, okay? Give glory to God in worship. Look at Luke chapter two, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, do you guys see the vertical transaction that's happening? The angels, after seeing that Jesus is gonna be born, he says, glory to God in the highest. The praise go up, and on earth, peace be towards men. When we glorify God, when we worship God, he rains down his peace upon you and upon me. And it's so amazing. You know, I've been, even today, I just feel like, man, life's been going so fast. We had a swim meet yesterday, and we had set up, we had just running around, and it's been so hectic this last three weeks, this last six weeks, and it's been a hectic month. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, Christmas is coming. The kids, what are we gonna do? We just had my parents over. And I, I started getting anxious. And this morning when we sang, oh, what a savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. And as I began to give worth and value and worship to God, and I began to give glory, Lord, you alone hold my, hand, my life together. You are so good, you're so faithful. As, and I started lifting up my hands, glory goes up, peace comes down. 
The only way that you can experience peace in your life right now is through the worship of the living God. God would not allow it any other way. The angels won't allow it any other way. Glory to God on, to the highest and on earth, peace to those whom he is pleased. If you say I don't have any interest in or love or admiration or treasuring of the glory of God, I just want the peace of God, listen, by the authority of God's word, you will not get it. You can't separate the two. Five times in the New Testament, God is called the God of peace. John 14, verse 27, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Therefore, do not be afraid. Paul says in Ephesians 2.14, Jesus himself is our peace. And if you say this morning, you know, I want the peace of God, I want tranquil relationships, I want well-being in my finances, in my health, but you don't want to give God glory, then you will not have peace because peace, you cannot have the peace of God without having the God of peace. The angels have it right. The angels keep it together. If we want peace to rule our lives, God must rule in our lives. If you dread, if you're one of the, hashtag no judgment, but if you're one of the people that just, oh, I just want to skip through the singing part. Oh, they always, they always tell us to raise our hands and, and clap and do motions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want none of that. I just give me the word. I just need the word, brother. Give me the word. Preach the word. Right? It's like, hey, guys, if your affection is not stirred for Christ, then heaven won't be any fun for you. Like, I'd hate to say it, but like, my parents were right. You know, being a pastor's kid, six, seven years old, we had a prayer meeting on Wednesday. No, we had midweek on Wednesday, we had prayer meeting on Friday, we had a night of worship once a month, and it wasn't called night of worship, it wasn't labeled or uh, anything cool like that, they called it praise marathon. I'm like, marathon sucks, right? <laughs> Why would you have a marathon of praise? And so, and I always told little kid, I'm like, yeah, I don't wanna do this, this is so boring, we stand, we stand, we clap, we sing, I'm like, I don't wanna do that. My parents, like, hmm, then you're not gonna enjoy heaven, right? I'm like, oh. <laughs> And they were right, but here's the deal. When I was a kid, a youngest of four, my older brother is about two years older than me. While I was still into watching cartoons in elementary, Bugs Bunny and all that stuff, Daffy Duck, my brother, older brother, he's a teenager now, so he's into sports. So Saturday morning, because he's bigger and he would bully me, he's like, hey, turn the cartoon stuff off. That's for little kids. Let's watch sports. And I hated it and I didn't get it. And not until I experienced sports and like the rivalry and the competition is like, I get it. Francis Chan said it's like you know singing and you could hear and you could sing along to uh, a melody and you could harmonize to it. And I'm one of those people that just can't get it. I don't get it. But, but I think 
once you've tasted, once you've seen that the Lord is good, you can't help but worship. I guarantee you, you cannot be in the presence of God and still be unchanged. You are before God, the only uncreated being that's ever existed. You're before the almighty God who's everywhere, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time. And he loves me enough that he would give his life for me and suffer for me so that I could have eternal life. And I can't help but worship. So worship then, give glory to God so that the peace of God would rain down. Number two, we'll close with this. Believe in the gospel and the promises of God. Meaning, if you want to experience the peace of God in your life, you got to have faith. You got to worship God or love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but you also have to have faith. Believe in the good news of Jesus and the promises of God. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 13, and I love this passage. It says, May the God of hope. Are you guys tracking? So there's a God of hope. He will fill you with all joy. Not just some, not few, not most, but he will fill you with all joy and all peace. How do we receive the joy and the peace of God? Look at that prepositional phrase, in believing. When you and I exercise faith over feelings, when we trust instead of rely on our emotions, when we trust in God, listen, he's gonna fill you with all joy and all peace. And look at the result clause there. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. How many of you wanna have abound in hope this morning? How many of you want joy that you just don't go through life joyless, going through the rut, going through the routine? How many of you want peace so you won't be anxious, so that you won't be unsettled in your thoughts? If you want to do that, God wants to do that for you. God wants to fill you, but you must do so how? In believing. that even if I don't feel like it, even if I don't want to, Lord, I'm gonna trust in you. Even if I don't feel like serving and laying down my life, Lord, I'm gonna love my wife, I'm gonna serve my children, I'm gonna do what I can to be an intentional parent. See, this is where faith meets the road. If you want hope, if you want joy, if you want peace, it is in faith. It is not something that you self-fabricate. Oh, I need to have joy, have joy, have joy. It's not something that you, you, you manufacture and you try to come up on your own. It's not something that you conjure up. When you believe in God, when you believe in the gospel, when you believe in the promises of the Lord, he's gonna fill you with all joy and all hope in your believing. Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, meaning pray. (laughs) What happens when we pray, when we supplicate, meaning we pray for other people, 
and we always give thanks. What happens? Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this morning, if I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis here, but if you find yourself with a desire that nothing in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. What, what do I mean by that? What does C.S. Lewis mean? It means that you and I, we all have pukas in our souls. That there's only certain things in our lives that a specific thing can fill in. In other words, there's nothing so satisfying like hard work and getting that degree and getting that job, right? It's like, ah, strong work ethic ah, that fills my tank, that fills this hole. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy like the joy of maybe a spouse, of having a, a, a wife or a husband that no extramarital affair, right, can satisfy only what your husband or your wife can fill in your life. It's just like that shape box toy when you're in kindergarten, right? That you can't put square pegs in um, circle holes. In the same way, you and I, we have a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts that only Jesus Christ can fill. St. Augustine said it best, Lord, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you meaning you will always be weary, you will always be pursuing, and nothing in this world will satisfy it because God who loves you, God who knew you from the womb, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he formed your inward parts, he knows that only he can satisfy you. And you could go through the accomplishments of this world, the accolades, you could get your 401k, you could get your dream house, you could get your trophy wife, but not until you come to the Lord Jesus Christ with this hole in your soul and say, Lord, it's been you that I've been looking for my whole life. It's been your common grace to lead me to the cross. Lord, come into my life. Be my savior, save me from my sin, but Lord, be the Lord over my life. Believe in the promises of God that in your presence there's fullness of joy. In your right hand there's pleasures forevermore. Jesus says that I am the living water. That if you thirst, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. That once you've seen, you've tasted the goodness of God, nothing else in this world would satisfy and if there's an emptiness in your life and that you still can't fit in there, in this world, it means and it points that there is another world, the kingdom of God, the second advent that you and I are to partake and to live in. And we can never be, we can never experience peace. You and I can never experience tranquility 
We can never go through these things in life that only God can fill. You will never experience the peace of God without having the God of peace. Let's go ahead and pray. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, this is the most eternal decision that you can make. Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, he wants to bring a settledness to your soul. He wants to bring a security to your salvation. Growing up in church, since I was a little kid, every Sunday for almost three Sundays, three years, I would receive Jesus in my life because I never had that security. I never was at peace in my relationship with God, not until I fully gave my life to Christ and believed in the gospel. And so this morning, this is your opportunity to live in the shalom of God. God wants peace in your relationships. Maybe right now there's a fractured relationship that God is speaking to you to make it right. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. It matters that the relationship is, in, that the relationship is right. And so with all heads, in the, all heads uh, bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to invite you to receive Christ. Receive the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Wonderful Counselor. And if you're here this morning and say, yeah, John, you know, I've kind of did everything I've ever wanted. I've checked off all my goals, all my bucket list. I'm pretty much done most of it, and I'm still wanting more. I'm still needing more. I'm still longing for more. The good news is that Jesus can fill that void. That you are made to have a relationship with your creator. And if you want to receive Jesus this morning, and you just want to say, yeah, John, that's me. I want to I want to get in the water. I want to learn how to scuba dive, but I just got to get in the water. I want to be certified. I want the peace of God, but I need to have God in my life. And if that's you this morning, would you just go ahead and lift up your head, open your eyes, maybe raise your hand. All over this place, amen. Amen. Just a couple more moments. This is the most eternal decision that you can make is to be at peace with God. Anybody else? Amen. Hallelujah. Just a couple more moments. Amen. Amen. Could we all repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I love you. Come into my life. Would you save me from my sins? And would you be the Lord over me? Holy Spirit, fill me now. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your grace. Fill me with your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Would you welcome those who said yes to the Lord this morning? Amen.